On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing the end of Steve's Gutenberg with 1990's Don't Tell Her It's Me with special guest Jessica Alsman from Well, We Tried. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film considered but not limited to being a cult classic. The episode you are listening to will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Follow CC Cavalcade on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to the show on cultcinemacavalcade.com, iTunes, and anywhere podcasts are found. Whiskey. Whiskey. If you breathe gas, it will tie up all your available hemoglobin and there'll be none left for oxygen transfer. Your lips and nail beds will turn cherry red and you'll die of carbon monoxide poisoning. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 57. This is coming to you from Creative Zombie Studios. This is Brandon Chance Peters. And as always with me is the Loba Moronga side of me, Cullen. I'm here. There's beer. Get used to it. Today we are here to discuss the 1990 film, Don't Tell Her It's Me. But Cullen, do tell her it's plot. Cartoonist Gus Kubitschek is a good guy, but he suffers from a poor track record with women. That's where his sister Lizzie comes in. She's a successful romance novelist, and she knows what women want. When Lizzie remakes her mild-mannered brother into a hunky biker with an exotic accent, Gus finally gets a shot at the girl of his dreams, journalist Emily Pear. But when the truth comes out, will she stick with him? Don't tell her it's me. Also goes by the title The Boyfriend School and is directed by Malcolm Aubrey, written by Sarah Bird based off her novel The Boyfriend School, and stars Steve Gutenberg, Shelley Long, Jamie Gertz, Kyle McLaughlin, Mad Chinamick, and Beth Grant. And as always, thank you for joining us back here at Colton McCavalcade. We hope you've recovered from the third dose of death stalking and are ready to Gertz Long into the Gutenberg, right? <laughs> yep. That's how we do. How well, we do it. <clears throat> we'll get to all that shortly, but f- let's get to our guest. You know her from, well, we tried her podcast, and she's on the Bob and Tom show as well. It's Jess Galsman. Hi there. Thanks so much for having me on. Hey, no problem. Thank you for coming. Ah. Very excited to have you. I'm excited to be here. Excited Sorry. to be here. So. <laughs> Up the well, we tried. I did. We did try. When you tried, what was well? We tried. Well, we tried was a podcast. Uh, Grace Singer and I talked about stuff and things, uh, anything from the movies, TV shows, pop culture, current events. And by current events, I mean Teen Mom crap, Game of Thrones, Walking Dead. It was a lot of fun, but we haven't done one in a while. But you can still follow at what we tried. You can still follow. You can still download, right? Yeah, absolutely. Listen to the past episodes. Great stuff. Then you may try again. We may try again. You may try again. Should we rename the podcast? We have tried again. (laughs) (laughs) Well... You heard it here first. Still trying. <laughs> well, I like still, that. I like yeah, that. I love that. Yeah. Anything else you got going on you want to talk about? At all? Uh, I just, I pop in on the Bob and Tom show once a week. You can listen on Wednesdays, usually hump day. Heard on Q95 in Indianapolis. Or you can find your local station on the Bob and Tom app. Okay. Don't tell her it's me. Colin, this came about with you and I finishing an episode, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And we went down a hole of just... Talking about stuff, and we're wanted like, what the hell is this? Somehow we came across uh, the boyfriend school, or I don't, I don't even remember how we came across it. We just 
somehow stumbled onto Steve Gutenberg doing stuff. <laughs> we were going to do this instantly. We have to do this right now. But this movie is insanely hard to find. If you have a disposable income and don't care what you do with your money, you can buy a DVD of it for a hundred dollars right yeah and it's never on tv it's never it's not yeah. streaming yeah, it, it's not 1991 so it's not on hbo all the time because it, i mean this movie looks like it was made to be on hbo so you can watch it when you're on vacation and there's yeah. like tons of hbo commercials on youtube for it as well so. yeah yeah jessica had you heard of the boyfriend school i have never heard of this movie before but it is something you would see like on hbo because i watched it it's kind of films like don't tell mom the babysitter's dead mm-hmm. not that it was the same movie at all. No, no, right. no, no. That's it. I love that movie. But just something you would see on there all the time. But it's in that same vein of it It should be on pay cable all the time, as long as it's not adult fare. That's, that's after hours. This is before one in the morning viewing, yeah. And I think the important thing about this movie is there's a pinpoint in cinema history where we can see the demise of Steve Gutenberg And Shelley right Long. There. Well, Shelley Long at least had the Brady Bunch movies in the 90s. That's true. They were great. She had those. She, she had a, a, a little bit of a career after 1990. Right. Uh, Gutenberg was... Huge in the 80s. Yes. He had the police academies, like really. T- he had Diner, which was like his jump off for him mm-hmm. and a lot of young actors. And then he both had cocoon movies, both cocoon movies, uh, police academy. He had uh, Short Circuit, or Two Three Men and a Baby. I'm sorry, which the sequel came out the same year as this movie. Ooh. And this was it, like 90 hit, and he did stuff in the 90s. He had that like movie you saw at Blockbuster called P.S. Your Cat is Dead. But like 90 hit and he just poof. And I didn't see him personally again until he was on Veronica Mars. I think oh. the next time I saw him was on Dancing with the Stars. Did, well, that, that, did he yeah. do that? He did. Oh, yeah. wow. And, and all the, uh, the the women on there that were the contestants, they were eager to find a woman for him. None of them wanted to be with him. <laughs> But they all liked him so much. Like, you're so nice. You should find a woman. I'm sure he probably thought, like, I'm I'm trying. I mean, right. look at me. I'm trying here. Well, you know who his, his first wife was? Who's that? You remember Evil Dead 2? Yes. Do you I remember, remember when they redo the first Evil Dead? Yes. Linda. The redo Linda. That's oh. Steve Gutenberg's first wife. Hmm. She was a very attractive woman. And he's a very attractive man, so it works. Wait, oh. did they divorce before he made this movie? They, uh, yeah, they divorced. Was it because oh, no, of this no, movie? No, no. They got, Is that why they got divorced? Like, she saw together. this movie and was like, forget it. I'm out. It's like you peaked. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done, Lobo. <laughs> oh Don't tell me about it. it. Just sign these papers. <laughs> Don't he, tell me about it. He disappeared, and you're right. Shelley Long kind of disappeared mm-hmm. not completely. She was on her way out before this movie happened. Though, let's right. be honest. Yeah. Steve Gutenberg, you thought he there was more promise, but. Well, he made, okay, so the 90s movie I remember of Steve, Steve Gutenberg was It Takes Two, and it's with the Olsen twins yeah. and Kirstie yep. Alley. And I remember watching that all the time. That was like on HBO or the movie stations all the time, and I'd watch it. I mean, he apparently had a cameo or something in the big green, but oh, I mean, oh. I'm not talking, I mean, this guy was on top of the world. This is like, yeah. this guy's taking yeah. over. I'm sure the bulk of the money that he has made is from residuals from HBO and Showtime. <laughs> well, right. <laughs> I mean, those police academy. And then he left the police academy. I remember it was a huge deal, like, oh, Gutenberg's leaving police academy. Academy. There was an immediate dip in quality when he left. It was. Oh, there was no. That was. That was. He went off in the hot air balloon, and so did most of the good humor <laughs> jokes. I yep. remember that movie. Yeah. Yeah. It was but, a sad day. But that was that was the Gutenberg, and this this was the end of it. Before we start getting into "Don't Tell Her It's Me," let's have a word from someone who isn't afraid to tell you it's him, Tom Labrie. You know, after ten years in this business, I'm still amazed at the number of people who keep asking, are waterbeds safe? Well, I can tell you without a doubt, not only are they safe, 
for the best way in the world to get the best night's sleep. I'll bet right now, half of you watching, but because you can't get a decent night's rest, tossing, turning, then you feel rotten all day long. Well, I really deep down believe that the waterbed is the best thing ever invented for comfort. And if you have the problems I've just been talking about, it can do wonders for you. So when you wake up, you'll feel better than you ever have before. So if you have some spare time in the next few days, drop by and check it out. It could put some real comfort in your life. And now, let's get back to the movie. We start with a peer and a lot of, well, like a lot of situations with Lizzie, who's played by Shelley Long, who's the sister of our main character, narrating. She's a romance novelist, and she's like, chapter one, la, 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 which then just starts turning into her feeling sorry for her brother and how he needs to fall in love. And we get some pics of, like, Steve Gutenberg, like, you know, those fake high school senior photo shots yeah, that yeah. they do for movies and stuff. And, and then we get the opening animated sequence with the song, Don't Tell Her It's Me, which I just pumped myself when I heard that. was like, perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, my, my jaw dropped when I, when I heard, like, they wrote a song for this movie? And it's bad. It's so good. Like, it's, it's yeah. like, enjoyably bad. You're like, if this movie has to have a song about it, this is this is it. Enjoyably and, bad. I like that you put it that way. Yeah. I mean, Because I did like, because I was like, yeah, it can be. Like, it's just. We have, we have movies on here where I'll enjoy the hell out of a song just because of that fact. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It is the musical equivalent of this movie where it's like, it's not, I don't know, it's not terrible, but it's not. Good. Yeah. And like, it just kind of goes on and then it ends. It's almost kind of like the Grace American Hero song. And someone was like, well, make it like that. <laughs> but make water it, it down a little water bit. Water it down a lot. Mm. Make it a little lovey dovey. Oh, my God. I'm so glad you said that. I've been singing that ever since I watched the movie. Oh, really? And I'm glad that you made the connection. Why? Why? Is it, Is it the so same guy or it's something? It's just kind of breezy and just. Mm-hmm. I kept singing that. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's easy listening, I something. guess. I know the anime thing, every part of it has a, the word Gus on it. It's like this like bald big guy and it says Gus. I noticed that on every because mm-hmm. then we find out he's an artist and he's a cancer survivor and he has a dog that bites his slippers. In that animated opening, there's one part where Gus is going to hang himself. But like the nurse, oh, she knocks open the door. So <laughs> it's comical because he almost ended his life. Yeah. yeah. And that's what, what, three minutes in. Yeah, it's kind of dark to start the movie. It yeah, has a romantic dark. comedy. Yeah, over an animated sequence. <laughs> His sister Lizzie arrives with groceries, and he's overweight, and he's got the like balding with the little straggly hairs perking out. And they joke about a toupee, but like I'm looking at him, like, oh my god, is this Steve Gutenberg, Simple Jack <laughs> from Tropic Thunder? You remember? Yes. Yeah. Is this it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, when he comes in and makes that, I guess you'd call it a joke, where he talks about the what was it microwave lounge singer or something? Yeah, that's when, bad. When he's wearing yeah. the wig. I saw that. I thought, oh boy, we're in for a, this is going to be a slog if this is the <laughs> brand of comedy that we're going to be enjoying the rest of the movie. His look and stuff isn't played for comedy, but it no. looks like uh, like uh, his nutty professor or something like that. So he does play <laughs> like three completely different people throughout this, yeah. even though it's him. You know, I watched it with my wife and she said, man, he looks like hell. <laughs> Cancer survivor, overweight. Oh. By the way, he's a cancer survivor. We don't learn that until. I mean, we kind of figure out something happened. They don't specifically right. say no, what it is. While. If you'll, uh, if you watch the trailer, there is zero indication that he had 
any kind of illness. There's a couple of shots where he's kind of pudgy, but the rest of the movie, he's basically Steve Gutenberg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought, you know what? That's kind of a, a major plot point that maybe you should feature in your and trailer. You know, I didn't expect going into this that it's going to take us a while to get to what we think this movie is. It's almost like yeah. 40 minutes of this sad, wallowing stuff. But yeah, he sits here, he takes a bunch of medicine. His sister claims to know that all the desires of women because she writes romance novels and she's wanting to hook him up so badly, so badly. And he doesn't want to date. And he's got this little dock house we see as we pull back. And and to be fair, why should he want to date? Right. He's focusing. Like he's still recovering. Yeah. He just got over a life threatening illness for years. He's still on medication. He's recovering from the radiation. Cut him some slack, Shelly Long. Right. A little uncomfortable with that. Game. Like, yeah. No, no. Yeah, She's just, too involved. Yeah, she's controlling. Too involved. In the healthy game, like first, like man, it's, it's probably because her own marriage is falling apart. There's no signs of her marriage. <laughs> her husband sucks at cooking. That's the only thing. <laughs> that was his, gross. His, his, her her wife is a Dorcas Malorcas, to be certain. <laughs> so we go to this bar and we meet Emily, played by Jamie Gertz, America's sweetheart Jamie Gertz, right? Right. Who, who, by the way, is she? She's a vampire, right? I mean, because she still looks nice. She doesn't look that much different from this. But she movie. was in The Lost Boys, so mm. that's what I'm thinking. That it was a documentary. It was a documentary. <laughs> I mean, Kiefer looks good too. Like as he does. Jason yeah. Patrick doesn't look too bad, but Corey I'll, Feldman. I'll, I'll take your still word. looks pretty youthful. I'll have to take your word uh, about Jason Patrick. Emily is Jamie Gertz. She's being hit on by this guy at a bar that she's apparently on a date with, and they're drinking jumbo margaritas. As we find out, she's a journalist, and uh, this guy's taking her out for happy hour. That's a a good first date. Yeah. Right? I think there's a good chance that he's a serial rapist. He could be. He tries to pump her full of drinks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, just happy hour. You got because he's a cheap ass. He's trying to get them all in now, and then take her like. Hey, so we just get her like a pizza and go home. So we know he's cheap. He yes. might be a rapist. He might be a rapist. Yes, I'm not taking that out of there. I'm just saying that's his scheme. That's yeah. his scheme. Oh yeah, clearly. I was uncomfortable for her. Right. No means no, sir. <laughs> So he drops her at home, and he keeps calling her Elise. That's not her name. No, it's, it's Emily. And it sounds the same, right? Right. <laughs> He could have called her Peaches and been closer, right? Yeah. Her last name's Pear. Um, that's, I just got to put that out there in case you didn't read the list of the credits or anything. So she shuts the door in his face as he chases her to her door. And she stares longingly at a picture of her and Kyle MacLachlan. She drives a complete piece of shit, too. That's her automobile. It's, just it's held together with car. duct tape and good intentions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Kyle MacLachlan's in there. And apparently he just got done hosting SNL because he's got this Dieter glasses. Remember that episode, yes. that classic sketch he's in? with Mike Myers, the Dieter one, with mm-hmm. the, the America's Funniest Home Videos, and it's all yeah. like murder videos and stuff. Yeah. He's got those glasses on, <laughs> no, I swear. So, like the front, you know, regular glasses, and the side's like, all right, like it's they, they tried to make wraparound glasses, but they couldn't figure out curves. Yeah. So they just slapped sunglasses on the side. <laughs> That's accurate. He's, he's given her some story to do, because uh, they work at a paper and uh, this guy spots him calling, Mr. Renault! And he rushes Emily into the building, tells her that they should go to dinner, and asks her what kind of father she thinks he'd make. Randomly. This never goes anywhere. I thought it would. Mm-hmm. I yeah. thought Madge and Mick was going to be pregnant at some point. Mm-hmm. No. 
When I saw Kyle MacLachlan was in this movie, I was pumped. Like, this looks well, This is the second time we've had him in a couple months on Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Yeah. When I was watching this movie, I, I just realized, like, I just like watching Kyle MacLachlan act. Yeah. He's good. Yeah. Even in the boyfriend school. He's Even in the boyfriend school. <laughs> say, is this the time he was making just, Twin Peaks? Like the original? It was, it was just, okay. Or is it? Yeah. This is the same time. And I have this, this weird thing. If you look at the movies from like 89 to like 94, if one person from Twin Peaks was in it, it's another. There's always at least two. I love that. I love connections it's like that. It's weird. It, it, you just because there's always weird connections with like it goes even to like Silent Night Deadly Night 3 it's <laughs> a straight to video movie but there's an actor in it from Twin Peaks and then the DP on that movie was from he did a couple Ooh. episodes of Twin Peaks so it's is, like, is there wow. someone else from Twin Peaks in this movie yeah Mad Mick. Who? Mad Chen Amick. She plays Mandy at the office. Oh. She's Shelly on Twin Peaks. But then you also get like people under the stairs. Mm-hmm. Big Ed and Nadine from Twin Peaks. If you just look, it's weird. Give me Kyle MacLachlan in that pair of sunglasses. Yes. <laughs> I much. won't take him without him. Uh, <laughs> they come together. The sunglasses get fifth billing in this movie. <laughs> so this guy spots him in the building and his name's Trout. Ones. Already about, don't like him. Yeah. Just from the name. Some client stuff that I don't know what the hell this all meant. Never goes anywhere, never comes yeah, back. Like, is he like her manager or something? I, some, I, well, later in the movie, he says some things that I'm like, oh, okay, that kind of makes more sense. But they really didn't make it clear. No. No. There's a lot so of I stuff think, in early on with Kyle McLaughlin that never comes back or goes anywhere. Right from there, we go to the Romance Writers of America convention. And that yeah. guy, that guy that was like, hey, Kyle McLaughlin or Mr. Renault. <laughs> I <laughs> wish you would just call Kyle McLaughlin. There's this guy, when we were panning down to show the convention, there's a guy that walks by the front of the camera that has the exact same stature, structure, glasses, curly hair as that guy. I'm like, oh, what's he doing here? Maybe yeah. this is not that guy, apparently. Because <laughs> that guy just walks by the camera, and I swear it was the same guy. Nothing happens. Do you think they forgot what actor was supposed to do it? And they're like, let's use the other one? I don't know. I doubt that guy would have came back just to walk by. Yeah. (laughs) He probably thought it was like an actual convention and just came back a different day. (laughs) Oh, you guys are shooting the... I'm in a couple scenes that don't tell her it's me. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm just a fan. I'm just a a big big fan of Shelley Long. Yeah, I write a romance novel fanfic, you know. Emily shows up there, grabs a book, and is looking for a writer named Vivica. Something. It's her pen name, right? Yes, because Lizzie Potts and the sister finds her, and they take up a conversation, and Emily drops a Tootsie reference during this. Which Um, I'm excited, because I just saw Tootsie for the first time this year, so I was like, I know what you're talking about. Yes. I love when it makes sense. (laughs) Dustin Dustin Hoffman is a girl. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) She discovers Vivica is Lizzie's author handle, it is embarrassed. This is the seeds of me believing that Emily is a complete idiot because she's looking for the writer of this romance novel. You say idiot. I say asshole. But we'll talk later. <laughs> she can be both. There's no limits to what she can be. But Shelley Long is standing next to a full-size cutout of herself. The only difference is she's wearing like a bonnet and curls. Yeah. And that is it. So it's clear that she's looking, she's an important person. Did not do her research and look around that maybe these people here would like her. Well, she doesn't even have to do research. She just has to have peripheral vision. Eyeballs. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Do you know where you were? Did you see it? I mean, did you drive here? Because you shouldn't be driving if you can't tell that you have face blindness. We're in the the time of microfiche. Just uh, Is that why? Yeah, we didn't have the internet. We can just go, this is who. She says, 
Don't worry about it. We're used to condescension and insults. Are you married? What a way to start an interview. Married? No. Involved? Seeing anyone steadily? Depends on what you mean by steadily. I, I was. I mean, he wants us to see other people. That's pretty unsteady, I guess. Why? Uh, research. I've been married so long, I don't want to lose touch with what today's single woman is looking for in a man. Oh. Instantly into like, ah, my brother needs to get in that. Yeah. Like, just boom. Yeah. I wonder if she does that with every woman that she meets. She looks to see if there's a ring first, and then she just starts, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like staring I'm, into their eyes. And boom. All right, there we go. It. It's kind of scary. Because yeah, I don't like, know if I'd be like, oh, I'm honored. Shelley Long's a psychopath in this movie. Maybe she wants to know about me. Maybe I'll influence her next romance novel. No, she does everything short of sniff Emily to see if she can detect a man on her. Yeah. Right. Have you, have you bled yet? <laughs> 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 Sorry. Emma, no, Emily says that she's, she's not seeing anyone, but the guy she was with wanted them to see other people. Then she tries to interview Lizzie. But Lizzie's profiling her for her brother the whole time and is wondering what she looks for in a man, just more of the same. And then at, at this older, old Southern plantation house, um, <laughs> Gus, yeah. Gus pulls up. I'm, I'm guessing it's Lizzie's house. Like mm. Immediately, I'm like, okay, Gus pulls up. It, and it is, like you said, it's a, it looks like a plantation house, so it is enormous. How much does she make? After Lizzie comes out and goes, I do declare. No, she doesn't say that. But he spots Emily through the window and freaks out. And decides to take off in his car, but he hits a parked car that nobody inside the house hears this accident happen. I laughed like, really hard. Bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I know it's like cheesy and set up, but I laughed and I was like, dang it. He also calls. <laughs> yeah, yeah there, there are times. It works. There are times in the movie where you react to it, how you're supposed to react to it. And you think, yeah. damn it, movie, you got me. Yeah. He, he seems to know he's being set up too because he goes. Start me out easy. Like with Playmate of the Millennium. Which I look at Jamie goes, I don't think. Playmate? Yeah. She's, she's a very attractive woman, she's like I said. She's a very attractive woman who doesn't age. We know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I don't think Playmate would come into mind yeah. with Jamie Gertz. I don't know. Well, you know, he, maybe he's still recovering from the disease. Yeah. So, you know. He's... Okay. So this, this little girl comes down the stairs <laughs> and she just stares at Emily. Her name's Annabelle, but they call her Piglet, who she doesn't talk. And they said, she says one word, uncow, which is uncle, which means Gus. They, they see her put something in her mouth, which she's like, what has mommy told you about putting mineral oil compounds in your mouth? And it's Which, a greasy bolt. It comes out of her mouth and puts it on Jamie Gertz's crotch. And so they get up and she's got just like this stain of oil on like her crotch. Who just has bolts sitting on the ground? That's what it was. Yeah. I mean, she, I mean, she did like reach like into like a old paint can or but still like. It wasn't just like a couple. There were a lot of oiled bolts in there. There was no toolbox or construction going on. You saw their dinner. On. Maybe it was an ingredient. Pro- oh. <laughs> I believe it, but <laughs> yeah, and like, and that's like a running theme, a running joke in this movie is that Shelley Long goes into description about how her daughter will die. And I don't mean like, oh, like don't run in a draft. You could get hit by a car. She talks about if you eat the, the minerals, it will dissolve your stomach and then right. <laughs> then your intestines yeah, will she, come out your mouth. She over describes whatever she's putting in her mouth. So if she put like a coin in her mouth, she'd be like, it's a copper extract of blah, blah, blah. It's, no, it's, a, yeah. it's a penny. <laughs> Very literal yes. with the child, with poor Piglet. 
Say, this is how your organs are going to shut down once that gets absorbed into your body. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not, it's dirty, spit it out. <laughs> so, is that why she's called Piglet? I just put that together because she's a dirty pig oh, and she puts everything in her mouth. That would make more sense. I thought they were kind of just kind of like, I don't know. When she said Piglet, I was like, I don't like that. It's kind of mean. Like maybe she's a big Winnie the Pooh fan, but no, she's just yeah. she's just a dirty trash child that puts everything in her mouth. Dirty or maybe trash. she had cute little pigtails. Then that yeah. makes sense, but Good no pigtails. Piglet finds Uncle outside, and he says, "Don't tell mommy I'm here," which I think would be good for a sequel, <laughs> right? <laughs> a sequel title, right? <laughs> Don't tell mommy Don't I'm here. Don't tell mommy I'm here. Which that's the closest thing we get to a title drop, right? <laughs> the title drops in the trailer. Yes, it is. He goes inside. He goes to a door, thinking Lizzie's behind it and talking to it, and then he walks in on. Pretty much Emily in her undergarments. Which she went on a stair climber in someone else's house. Yeah, that was weird. She's wearing like, she's wearing a, a slip. A slip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she would be wearing less at a beach, but yeah. for some reason the slip, like, oh, it's scandalous. Right. Because mm-hmm. she had a white dress on. Mm-hmm. She took off the white dress. She has a slip, but she was just using someone else's exercise equipment. Right. Just like I'm in this room. I didn't get my run in today. <laughs> Do some light cardio. Dinner's not for another half hour. I'm going to earn that dinner. She said, make yourself at home. I work out at home. <laughs> I'm already in my underwear. Yeah. <laughs> She's got a shower if it gets too intense. <laughs> Let's do this. We cut to a quiet dinner. The embarrassing dinner. And Lizzie's husband is slurping up some soup. Some like Japanese soup. I'm, I'm guessing they're trying to... Because Shelly Long, I noticed at this point... Well, oh, she was wearing... Clothes. Kimono? Type thing? Yes, ah. kimono type thing. Yes, that's per- yeah. That's or I guess it's called a kimono. Kimono type thing. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, use the full title. Yeah. And he puts on some loud music and does this little dance to it. Well, he, puts, and- he puts on opera and he's like humping the air when he's listening to the opera. <laughs> Do you feel like this guy? They were like they first went to Randy Quaid and then he like canceled. Oh wow! <laughs> and they're like, oh, shit. Who we get? We got two weeks till. I wish Randy Quaid was in this that's movie. That's why the guy reminded me of like a, an in-shape Randy Quaid. They probably couldn't get Randy Quaid because, reportedly, Steve Gutenberg was paid a million dollars for this movie. He Whoa. needed it. He was about to disappear. <laughs> <laughs> He's going to take this and the, the back, back points box office scoring from Three Men and a Little Lady. Mm-hmm. He's going to run. He's going to be like D.B. Cooper and just disappear from the planet. There we go. Yeah, that's what he's doing. Gus stares creepily <laughs> at Emily across the table during this and... And he tries to talk, but they have to shout because the music's so loud. And Shelly Long's in the background, like, watching for love. Just look at the <laughs> Yeah. It's really weird. And he wipes his head and is too patious. And it's just, it's sad. Yeah. Oh, because like, poor sad. Gus had to wear a toupee because he was insecure. He's bald. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the cancer treatments. After he moved the, the wig, if he just would have said, look. I'm recovering from Hodgkin's disease. How about Shelley Long goes, look, my brother, who's uh, looking to be get back on the horse and on the mend, is, uh, you know. Yeah, there, there's any number of times where someone could have just said, like, look, this is what's happened to him. Just be understanding of that. Yeah. And she probably would have been fine. Are you into pity dating? Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. I was other- uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, otherwise he's just kind of a, a boring schlub. But it's... Right. But no, he's just... He's, he's insecure with himself. That's the biggest problem with him right now. Yeah, exactly. There's just so many instances where someone just could have not made this movie happen. Wait. Just wait. Yeah, actually, yeah, this is Gus. He's recovering. Let me tell you his story. He's amazing. He's also a cartoonist. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's not like he has a a, a dark past that he no. has to cover <laughs> right. up. Also murdered five he's people. He's just like... <laughs> he's going to say, like, give me eight months. Yeah. 
even he could have said to his, well, his, his sister, he's like, can we just not do this yet? I mean, look at me. Right. Yeah, look at me and listen to what I'm saying. I'm clearly not comfortable in my own skin yet. Yeah. 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 She's a real Damn bitch. Damn it, Shelly. <laughs> a real bitch, I gotta say. Now, d- dinner continues quietly as these blue-looking noodles are served, and like Emily just stuffs her mouth with them because she's uncomfortable, and she begrudgingly eats them, and the food's like pulsating on their plates. It's like better off dead mom mm-hmm. cooking. Emily fights swallowing and sees Gus with this fat, like is she like getting like- No, she's delusion? just- like, like is something in there that's making her see it, but- She's just an unpl- just Real quick, he looks bad already. You can yeah. just went to that. We know she's a, she goes for the looks. We know mm-hmm. that about yeah. her, so- she, she says that she wants integrity. However, she is- exaggerating Gus's unattractiveness at this moment. That's right. what I wondered. So they just wondered, this is what she's seen because, ugh, yeah, this is uncomfortable and I'm uncomfortable and ooh, everything was just more yeah. extreme. Yeah, right. and I've got a mouth full of weird stuff and it was just, I don't care for Emily at this point. I'm not becoming yeah. a fan of anybody at this point, really, <laughs> yeah. except I the like, husband. He's trying. He, I, he wants to I like, eat some different food. Yeah. <laughs> it sucks, but he's trying. Actually, he's should have been Randy Quaid, but actually, <laughs> yes. like I actually like Gus in this movie. Like I actually really feel bad for him at this point. I don't know. I at want him point. to be ha- at this. Yeah. At this. Yeah. At this point, like I, I fully went into this movie planning to hate him because this whole movie is built on him lying to a woman. Mm-hmm. And but uh, at this point in the movie, I'm like, you know, I feel bad for the guy. He can't help what's happening. You know, it's really. <laughs> It's really too bad that this movie happened in 1990 instead of modern times because Gus could just go online and look for someone that is into, uh, has like an Uncle Fester fetish because he looks like Uncle Fester in this movie. Just a couple years to they were going to do that, Adam. Mm. Could have got Gutenberg instead of Lloyd. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm. Missed the boat. So Lizzie takes a Polaroid, and Emily runs to vomit. And as the dishes are being cleaned, Lizzie and her husband talk about Gus's embarrassing evening. But Lizzie thinks a spark with a little judicious fanning will turn it into an all-forgiving mutual blaze of passion. I don't know what dinner she was at. She didn't eat it. (laughs) She didn't. She didn't. Oh my gosh, she's evil. Mm-hmm. She threw her food away. They showed a point where she slid her food somewhere and then she didn't eat it. Give it to Piglet. Apparently she's a dumpster. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Piglet's the> worst. <laughs> uh, so we go to an arcade, or no, it's, it's in the office building. It's in Kyle McLaughlin, also known as Trout. Which Emily is wearing the most super 90s outfit. It's the puffy shirt with the mom jeans and the red vest. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. Like you take the, the time <laughs> capsule and you're boom. You could see her wearing it or you could see like Chandler on Friends wearing that outfit. Right. Yes. She's just missing the tie. That's right. what she needs to wear. Well, and she also wears in this movie the, the flower dress with the bicycle shorts. Yes. Right. And like, yep. and I don't think she had combat boots, but she did have boots on. Mm-hmm. So she wears the other 90s outfit. She's playing the narc arcade machine and Trout enters the office and they discuss the Lizzie Potts story that she's working on because, oh yeah, she's a writer. She's doing this story because I forgot about that this whole time. That's why she's there. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he stares at Madchen and Mick who plays Mandy through the window and she's told she can't see him. So I thought like, she's pregnant with like his kid because mm-hmm. we heard about that. That guy came in. What's going on? She mentions something about going out with a guy, and Trout suddenly wants her back. You're only interested in me when some other man wants me to, and then you lose interest when you have me. Mm. No, it's sick. I'm not a yo yo. That's the old Trout. This is the new Trout. 
Come on, Emily. The whole time we've been apart, I haven't been able to think about being with anybody else. I want us to be together. Hmm? Mm. You know that now. You've got the King Bee buzzing around your hive. You know that now. This was the part of the movie where I just spaced out and waited. This is the part of the movie where I said, can we go back to NARC? Yeah, that was, right. Yeah. I, I, was mean, like, I, I was like, did I play that? Like, it looks like a Final Fight-ish game. The, the ones I love, the, the, like, the multiplayer, like we walk left to right and just beat dudes yeah. up. We get to a boss, we beat him, and then we go the next level. Those are like my games back then. I was, I was really excited. I was hoping there'd be like a NARC subplot. <laughs> It's just anything to keep me interested in the movie. That night, Emily reads a book from her stack of the Lizzie Potts collection that she gave her because there was this part in the movie where she just like handed her a stack and it was played for like comedic physical value. But when and it's as hilarious as you think it would be. <laughs> she rolls her eyes to the book, throws it out, starts a different book, but then curiously, she picks the other book back up well, and it's the next morning and she's finishing it. And she doesn't just read the book, she reads it out loud. Mm-hmm. You, you know. For the audience. As, as, yeah. <laughs> right. Could have narrated in your head and then just played that. Been more realistic. Maybe that's how you yeah. s- that's how you stay up all night reading a book is you read it aloud mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I would have probably passed out. It doesn't sound like a very well-written book. Every- have you heard Shelley Long talk in this movie? <laughs> yeah. We know it's not yeah. a well-written book. Oh, it's a guilty pleasure, romance <laughs> novel. So you read them like, this is terrible and cheesy, but then you're like, well, I do want to keep reading it because it's yeah. kind of... Something about it. I don't remember if it was here or a different point in the movie with the uh, actual part of, of, of the book, but at one point in the book, it says, the night was hard. So was Robbie. <laughs> I think that's the very beginning, when she's narrating Oh, yeah, it. you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I thought that was going towards reaches for the black fence. I was like, what are we doing? She's Talking about something <laughs> hard, like the black iron fence or something. Oh, reaching she's gotta, for she, you gotta, you gotta hook them, right, from the first line. That's, what, that's, that's why. <laughs> so a knock at the door. It's... Lizzie and Piglet, and she's there for the interview. So Emily goes to make coffee, and Lizzie just is fucking yammering on about bullshit, and we catch Piglet playing with the heater coils. <laughs> because she doesn't value life and at all. Lizzie gives That's em- what it is. Maybe she's just suicidal. She it wants out. Be. And then Lizzie gives Emily her tape recorder to use, and then they begin talking about her male interests, and she brings up Gus. Emily says she's not interested, involved with somebody, and then she tries to guilt her about Gus having Hodgkin's disease and chemo. Emily's like, it's not about looks, and Lizzie keeps grinding into her. I thought when she gave her the tape recorder, she was going to accidentally leave it, and there was going to be like something Gus said on there, and she'd be like, oh, yeah, God. Yeah. Like, Anything for a spark at all. But yeah. no. Um, <laughs> a- Annabelle Piglet then has something in her mouth, and uh, Lizzie angrily drives home talking to herself about Emily. She's more into the relationship than either of these two are. Mm-hmm. About- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Gus knows that Emily is pretty. He knows that, and he likes that. Right. Th- that's fine for a start, but how is he in love with her at all? Because at this point, he... We might ask that question at the end of the movie, too. <sighs> yeah, because he, he is enamored with her. Mm-hmm. Even though she has shown nothing of her own personality at all yeah. prior to this. No. I'm trying to think if she asked any questions significant, like, you know, anything big at dinner. So I was like, yeah. oh, look how great she is. She's so interesting. No. They didn't even talk. No, if, if, if either of them made any attempt to try to get to know each other. Well, she, I think she did ask Gus maybe a little bit about maybe like cartooning or something like that but that mm-hmm. was that was about it so he doesn't get to know her they at needed, all. the dinner table scene needed to be less awkward and more engaging between the two because it's need to build 
anything in this movie. You need to build her to like like him in a way that's like, well, put him in the friend zone. That's what it needed to at yeah, least do. That would have helped. And not make him just repulsive to her. That's... Yeah. Yeah, it's just like the arranged marriage. Shelley Long shows up. So you're going to date my son? Um, I'm yeah. dating someone else. Not acceptable. Yeah. You're. you're you, what, is it because he's right. cancer? Yeah. No. I, no, you don't I like didn't know that. People? Is that um, what you're trying to say? Yeah, it's a guilting. Totally like, guilting. And there was more of a dynamic between Shelley Long and Emily, Nancy yeah. and Emily. Yeah, they had more of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gross movie. Uh, <laughs> make up your mind. I get why Kyle McLaughlin's into people. I get that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Cal McLaughlin. I get everything about him. He's in a couple scenes. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. One thing I about Cal McLaughlin, he loves poon. I know what Mandy gets into as much doing. as he wants. To. I know what the Mandy character's into doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. He, yeah, it's gross that Cal McLaughlin has more of a character than most of the characters in this movie. So, so Gus comes home and he's looking at a paper with Emily's picture on it, not reading the article, just staring at the picture. So we don't know he's into her work or anything like that. Lizzie and Piglet are waiting. And she's like, you're smitten with Emily, aren't you? And and he gets all worked up. And he's like, why do you keep sticking your nose in my... I'm your brother. Not your retarded son. <laughs> oh, my God. So I was like, oh. It's 1990. Mm-hmm. Lizzie says that she's going to get married if they don't act fast. She can make Emily fall in love with her. She's going to make him one of the heroes from her books. She's going to help him with everything. And the fact that he wears pajamas to bed is apparently a turnoff. So, sorry, ladies. You wouldn't be interested in me because I like my PJs. Have either of you been with someone and then they put on pajamas and she's like, nope, deal breaker. What the f- only if it's like the stocking cap. I'm like, do you really need that cap? That <laughs> yeah. night cap. The big like, I'm not going to sleep next Ebenezer. to Ebenezer. Yeah, yeah Ebenezer. Exactly. So there's the pants. There's the sh- okay, it's a button up. That's fine. Oh, yeah. there comes the hat. The line. Where are my keys? But Lizzie wants Gus to wear bikini briefs to bed. No, that's not practical. Who's gonna Who's gonna sleep in like those? The banana and, one. Like yeah, yeah. She, she wants him wear a te- the teal. It was teal. teal. She was like, it was creepy. She yeah, wants to sorry. see him in it more than Emily would. Jeez. Are yeah. those the boxer briefs? I'm sorry. Was it? What is it? What, the teal, the tight little. She wanted him like in a thong, like a male thong, like banana. They call them like banana hammock, right? Is that what they called it? Or uh, I don't know if that's what they called it, but I mean that's that's what I call but it. Yeah. But she just she just say bikini briefs at some point. Yeah. yeah. yeah she, she lists off a lot of sexy things that he can wear to bed. If my brother told me not to wear to bed, I'd be like, you shut the hell up. <laughs> this is not Game of Thrones. You go away. <laughs> Slowly rubbing his chest. Why don't you put that on? You know what I say about people in pajamas? Man, they look comfortable. Yes. <laughs> is that a horrible thing? Yeah. Gosh. Let the personality entice the person. That, yeah. You can take clothes right off. I often do. Mm-hmm. I get down to business. We then see a chia pet that looks like Gus, but Gus has now has some hair growing out of his head. A little bit, yeah. And he's he, a and he's little bit a dope. little trimmer. Yeah. So he's healing, I guess. He calls Emily, and she comes running to her phone from like shaving her legs, like full, like her legs are coated mm. in shaving cream, front and back. It like looks they like, look like boots. It looks like she was dipped into a vat of shaving yes. cream and pulled right back out. I don't know why they even show that. I don't know if it's an 80s or 90s thing. Like, well, mm. women, if you can't do something, I have to stay in and wash my hair. Like, I can't go out tonight to wash my hair. Well, don't you do it during the shower? Like, you, just shower. Shave your legs in the shower. I didn't understand that. And who the hell was she so excited to answer the phone for? Just wait. Ten more minutes. Well, they didn't have caller ID then, I <laughs> That's guess. True. So then again, that she could hear from the other room. That's true. 
I'm spoiled. I think I grew up when it was always Cardi. She can make people wait, right? Yeah. yeah. Jamie Gertz can make people wait. Yeah. So there's more of uh, there's more evidence that Emily is an idiot. Right. Okay. You're making a case here. <laughs> but she's disappointed when she finds out it's Gus. He says he's got tickets to the Cowboy Junkies. Which that was a thing, I think. An actual thing? Mm-hmm. I All think right. it was. He wants to know if she can go. She lies and says she's having oral surgery done. And then he's trying to pivot by saying he's got the tickets to the Beijing Apricobacks, too. She tells him she's taking a Cajun cooking class. So says maybe another time. And Gus says, okay. okay. And then he calls his sister. He's like, okay, but no till briefs. <laughs> so, so in this scene, she is an idiot and an asshole because she just keeps dragging him on. Yeah. In, until you'd say, I'm just not into this, he's going to keep trying, right. right? She led him on. And I thought the whole time, like, are you not in a relationship with Mr. M, Kyle, it's like Trout? Of- I was I was couldn't figure it out. There were scenes where I'm like, oh, they're back to, and then they were like engaged, but were they? We'll get there. No, he, but no, he, no. But he's kissing her in the office earlier, so I was like, if you got a boyfriend, just be like, I got a boyfriend. Right. Yeah, real easy. Or she could have just said that. She could have just lied. Yeah. Just, just anything to end it, just to let him know. Like she has no qualms about lying. She does it several times in this scene. So just make it a big lie that that ends it. Yeah. Don't tell me the truth. (laughs) Don't tell me the truth. We then see Gus making a drawing as Lizzie says, women like lone wolves, and comes up with Lobo from that as his name. As he runs while she's on a scooter, and she says he needs an accent, and he he tries some out. They go badly, and we get a montage of him working out as she figures out no one has heard a New Zealand accent. So that's where Lobo is from. Can we talk about the awful women in this scene? When he's he's working out, he's trying to recover, and he's kind of, you know, he's still a little doughy and stuff. He's like, I'm really hot. So he takes off his shirt, and this car full of women yell just mean, terrible things to him. Yeah. It's the asshole jock slash cheerleader car that appears in, like, tons of late 80s and <laughs> mm-hmm. 90s movies where they pull out like, ha! Like, Kelly Bundy was in the car, basically. <laughs> there was one driver's license among, like, 12 kids, and they all piled into yeah. the convertible. Like. Yeah. But I would never yell at some older man who's a little bit, because like, I would assume he's, I don't know how old he's supposed to be in he's that. He's probably his early 30s, I'd guess. Or maybe, I don't know, he's somewhere in his 30s, yeah, I'd say. He's listening to some headphones, and we see he's building a Harley. He seems to have finished his physique, so they move to stage two, cosmetic transformation. Only they have a computer just coming up with different styles of hair for him. <laughs> that means someone had to write a program to, to change hairstyles. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, he's going to have this big mullet. Because <laughs> <laughs> they go through so- When I saw the screenshot, I was like, what? <laughs> is he gonna, it's Guten Mullet? It's Guten Mullet with the long dangly earring. Well, and, Was it his real hair? Because uh, no. He never take, it- they have arguments. He could have taken it off. <laughs> There are scenes where he's not around Emily, there's, and I'm like... There's no way he could have grown his hair out that long right. in that amount of time. Because th- the goal is to uh, get Emily to like him before she marries Trout. There's no way he could grow a full mullet because he isn't, they are he's bald. a long goddamn time to get him into shape. And so, like, how long yeah. are they wait? What's and the he is, What is here? that timeline? Yeah. I don't know. It has to be several months. Like, seasons have to change because yeah. he went from being doughy guy to being, he is fucking cut in this yeah. movie. He's got to be like 150, 160. He what is tight. Hair? hair until the end of the movie he's in this mullet yeah 
He's committed. So does he, he is say, okay, Robo. now that you're in shape, <laughs> hopefully she doesn't get married in the next eight months while you grow this out. <laughs> I'd be so mad. Like, I was wondering that. I was dog the bounty hunter for eight months right. for no reason. Yeah, looks- like, like your, your hair is about the same length as, as Lobo's right yeah. now. I think his was longer because I was kind of jealous. Right. I was like, dang. How long do you think it would take you to grow All your hair All my life. This? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it's bull. He's got extensions or a full-on wig. Right. Well, we yeah. know yeah. birds wearing a wig, but the character is what I'm I think they're, yeah. they must be extensions. They have to yeah. be. Shelly Long was really into making sure he looked better, which admits that she's like, my brother's so ugly. I need to make him more attractive which to he Emily. Later, yeah. He inspires the Lorenzo Lamas series <laughs> Renegade because it's <laughs> Exactly <laughs> what he looks like. That's funny. And he's on the Harley. He's, he, like, he's wearing a duster. Lorenzo's mm-hmm. like, I had that part. <laughs> Do this. That mountain of charisma, Steve Gutenberg took it from me. He took it from me. <laughs> Emily stops for gas, and in the distance we see this biker as she's filling up, and uh, she's checking him out, and it's Gus with steel blue eyes. Lobo. Not only is he wearing a mullet, he also has a braid coming off the oh, side yeah, of his. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even see the braid. Yeah. Oh my god, he's got like a like a Padawan braid coming oh, off yeah. the side. <laughs> oh my gosh. With the cross earring. The earring is what killed me. That one long one's like. Yeah, and his boots appear to have metal shin guards. <laughs> <laughs> he's ready for battle. Like that's like he could he, his sword is somewhere in that duster that he's wearing. Absolutely, it is. He's a Highlander, maybe. Oh, maybe he is. He yeah. is. He's absolutely he's a the Highlander. Highlander. That's, that's what he is. So she, her tanks are overflowing because guess what? She does judge from the outside. Because she she is super fucking wet. Yeah, and the gasoline. Oh <laughs> the representation of she, it. She goes in the convenience store and is embarrassed to admit she doesn't have the money to pay for the gas. Just do you take credit cards? Because uh, this is 1990. All right, is this more of an idiot or an asshole move? Dumbass. Oh, see. She came in with two dollars, going, "I only have two dollars," but I pumped twenty-three. But she did she fuck up because she was staring at Lobo for the probably five minutes she extra pumped the two dollars. So gas, I saw the sounds like a dollar three or something. Yeah. Like, what was gas back then? Which I thought that was a lot, unless that was cigarettes. Maybe I, I could. It was a little blurry. But it was still, you know, still pretty low. Like, all right, you have enough for but two gallons tops. Mm-hmm. If you if you're cruising in with two dollars to get gas, you know that's all you're getting. How did you she? Know? Oh, she twenty-three because she poured on the ground, but still. Mm-hmm. Still, How long but, did you pour it on the ground? But exactly. Yeah. You'd have to fill up the uh, trash can next yeah, to you. Yeah, well, she's get getting hot and spraying it too. Like, oh, God, Lobo. <laughs> Lobo. Or not Lobo. Huh. This mystery man. The, uh, the attendants <laughs> the are quiet. The, the gas station attendants are quiet, but then she realized the place is being held up and Lobo enters. And now, at this point in the movie, I'm like, is this like a Shelly Long? Setup thing mm-hmm. that Lobo's Lobo's gonna come in here and well, like save the day, it, and, and it's is believable part of the thing? because Lobo just pulls up to the gas station. You'd have to be following her if mm-hmm. this wasn't a setup. Like he's like, "All right, Bob, we're set. Lobo has pulled in." Like I thought yeah. that was going on. I thought that this was gonna be some Shelly Long concoction yeah. that he was yeah. gonna save the day, and then there, and then the guys with <laughs> Bob, we're all done. All right, they got together. Right? No, it's real. It's There's a legit holdup happening here. Except yeah. I think Lobo did probably follow her to the gas station because what a dink. And we yeah. did fill up at that time. And we find yeah. out he likes to talk to himself as Lobo because he's like... She bought it from a distance. But I didn't speak. I am Lobo. I hunt alone. I need no one. I am Lobo. I hunt alone. 
and, 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 and what better way to turn a woman on by talking to yourself in the corner of a convenience store? <laughs> and he, he, he notices the holdup in a mirror as he's like grabbing a beer. So uh, he has a conversation with himself about his, in his mind about stopping the robbery. And then he smashes a coffee pot over the guy's head and well, he goes that punches long, him out. Again, that long conversation in his head trying to mm-hmm. find a weapon. And the whole time, I'm just like, Coffee pot. Mm-hmm. Coffee pot. Coffee pot. <laughs> well, and then he like starts grunting about his success. And then the woman, that, there's a woman in a pickup truck out there who's apparently with the guy who's hauled up. She runs in with a machete. <laughs> and, and then Emily thinks she's like empowered. She throws a bucket of ice on her. And then, well, no, she throws like a, a cooler of a cooler, Colt 45. Yeah. So, okay. yeah. so she either doesn't like things that are cold or she is like allergic to to, to malt liquor or something. Right. <laughs> That's when she leaves. She must have adrenaline because I think that would have been heavy. She just picks up oh, and yeah. throws at her, which is enough to knock her over. And then, yeah, she bounces, right? But Absolutely I'm like, well, right. oh, geez, Emily. And Where did then, that adrenaline come from? And then Loba runs to his bike, but he's limping. So Emily's <laughs> like, no, no, you come with me. And he mentions he's an illegal alien at the time. So she <laughs> like, takes him in the car with her. Sure. And at her house, she's tending to his wounds and she offers him a drink and he wants some whiskey. <laughs> She's whiskey. And he keeps slipping in and out of his accent. And it's com- that, that, that funny Gutenberg. He- so, so again, Emily's an idiot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he also notes, he has notes in his pocket that he's like pulling out and reading like, I'm a badass from this. And like his backstory. Well, he, well, like, he, he has like his reset, you know, sometimes. Oh, his, you, his line that helps him with his accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes when you do a voice, you, sometimes there's he took like. the carriage to the marriage, which was very successful. See, he knows. Ooh. Yeah. His very is, nice. His is, um, my name is Lobo Moranga. <laughs> I hunt alone. That's <laughs> his reset button. <laughs> During their their cheersing of the drink that they have, he slips saying her name. Here's to you, Miss Emily Pierre. How did you know that? What? My name. Bill. The magazine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you seem to be searching for something, too. What are you talking about? It's in the eyes. All in the eyes. What I see in yours is deep down behind a facade of assurance. There is not. I'm very sure about Trout. It's what I want. It's time. Marriage, is it? Isn't that what you saw? I only see what a person's feeling. Even if they don't always know themselves what that is. (gasps) Well, you missed on me because I'm very happy about Marine Trout. Despite mm. there being no engagement. And uh, she bumps his leg and he fake passes out. She's like, don't pass out, don't pass. And he goes, oh, I'm fake passing out. And she gives him a kiss while he's passed out. And then cool. f- she freaks out back to her room. It's not, yeah. y- you shouldn't kiss people when they're unconscious. That's creepy. Mm. It it's is rape of the mouth. It is. Yeah. That's she's contributing the rape culture and I don't care for it. She you know Lobo's asking for it, right? He was. <laughs> if he didn't dress like that. If yeah. he didn't wear he didn't put himself out there like that, then if, if he didn't wear those metallic shin guards <laughs> on those boots, he wouldn't right. be in that situation. The next morning she awakes to a phone call from Trout and she rushes to see Lobo, but he's gone. <laughs> and she notices a note he wrote in lipstick on her mirror, which says, You've been a cobber. Too bad you're engaged. And left his necklace, his little tiki 
thing. Gus then talks about the robbery foiling and argues with his sister at his house about who Emily really likes. And she introduces the sexuality consultant who has a female dummy that she's going to talk about sex with. So weird. She has a hermaphroditic dummy that she wants to talk about sex with. And she's played by Beth Grant, who she's a vampire because... Well, she's not doesn't have the Gertz thing. She's always looked about this old mm-hmm. age. She's, she's she was like, born old. Yeah, she's one of those people who's like, it's okay that I look like I'm forty in my twenties because when I'm sixty, I'm gonna still look forty. Yeah, like that's yeah. I was like, just don't get she's off the bus on speed. Just stay on the bus. <laughs> just stay. On, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I do like when she pops up. I'm like, oh look, it's that girl because I forget her, the actress's name. That doll that she uses for the sensuality that would help no one. And no. she she tongues this dummy. Oh. Oh. Not everyone is emotionally secure enough for my presentation. Gus flips out about it, but Lizzie lets him know that he must keep appearing unattainable, which is why are they doing this if he's supposed to be unattainable? Mm -hmm. She says that uh, he'll see her again because she'll return the totem that he left. That old college trick where you leave something mm-hmm. at their apartment. Well, yeah. like Costanza, yeah. It's like, come get it, please. <laughs> Costanza, which Jamie Gertz was on Seinfeld. She sure. was the one who didn't pass the square to Elaine under the toilet. That's true. And had the phone sex line that mm-hmm. Jerry wasn't happy about. That is funny. Mm-hmm. It all That's in. great. It I all love it. In. Should I am beat her? I know there she's in Twister, right? Yep. Yes, she's, she's in Twister. Mm-hmm. Twister. Not a good person. Way to go, Jamie. Emily stares at the totem and at her office and Trout speaks to her and he mentions her being distant. And as he says, uh, she'll think about dinner with him. And he wants he wants the totem as an engagement present. Mandy in the office pampers herself and comes over and grabs Trout for something and they, they go. And then Emily goes back to the gas station to stalk the parked Harley. As Lizzie drives by with Gus, and they both notice Emily there and freak out, and an invisible driven car drives by, which, building your case. Emily's an idiot. She she doesn't. She looks at the car, doesn't think twice, hey, why don't I see anyone driving that car right. in the year 1990? Yeah. This, this, oh this is the 21st century. Driverless cars aren't really a, that big of a Did thing she, yet. She go, Charleston. Maybe. <laughs> crazy kids. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Annabelle's in there driving or something. <laughs> My kids are always taking the cars out. So Lobo then comes up to the car and accuses her of stalking his bike. And she asks his name. He's like, sorry, wasn't good skitty last night. Lobo. Lobo Marunga. <laughs> Is it dubbed? Like, it looks like horrible. It, yeah. And he, he goes to get his bike, to which she follows him, and then he tells her to get on his bike. He goes, oh, I thought you'd show me that I, this is my New Zealand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought you'd show me the scenic wonders and whereabouts. What sounds like a shitty knockoff version of In Your Eyes plays as they're driving around, That's right? That's what I thought. Yes. I thought it was it, like, it was just like, I was like, I know. This is, this is the. Wow. Like, I know. I, I thought it was uh, Steve Gutenberg singing like a Phil Collins song. That's right. It was It was in your eyes, but like as close as you could get to not being in. Mm-hmm. Like we changed the lyrics, but it sounds really the same. Mm-hmm. I checked. I looked through the credits to see if Steve Gutenberg was singing. It wasn't him. No. I, I, was, I was surprised. I was a little disappointed. <laughs> uh, they, they stop at the, some banquet hall. Um, which maybe she's having her wedding reception there. Why do they know to go there? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it had to be her suggestion because mm-hmm. he's playing like he doesn't know the area. So she's like, hey, let's go to this place that looks like it could have been in Dirty Dancing, mm-hmm. but right. it wasn't. Well, she says she needs to teach him the shag, which I'm like, hey, 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 that's Beth Grant's job. She's talking <laughs> about the dance. And they, they start to dance. And during this, she says, 
she likes his name a, a lot and they hold each other and they take a stereotypical sunset walk on the pier and he writes her number on his hand and then just takes off. So what she knows about Lobo is he's from New Zealand. His name is Lobo and he drives a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. And that is it. Yeah. That's enough for her to be enamored. But she's all, it's, it's not about the outside. That's what I'm saying. She's an asshole, yeah. right? Like the 30s and the 40s, you have all these women that are just like, hmm. And the face that she does give every time she looks at him is just like so adoring. Like, mm-hmm. I'm now obsessed with you. Yeah. Which you kind of like, oh, this is nice. That's adorable. Mm-hmm. But unrealistic altogether. Emily would be perfect for the bachelorette. Yes. <laughs> she should absolutely, you, you know. All there those floral go. dresses, she just keep changing every day. Like, okay. Yeah, I think I do. love you. We've known each other for a day. <laughs> oh awful person <laughs> <laughs> and even this character Lobo Moronga is probably not as interesting as he would leave off if he was genuine mm-hmm. no he's from New Zealand and he rides a bike that's not, an, that's not enough to build a relationship unless you're a biker I he's, guess what well, part of I'm from New Zealand and I wear a New Zealand shirt makes you go wow that guy's cool <laughs> It's true. (laughs) Like you advertise you're from (laughs) New Zealand. As we see Lobo riding around, we hear Gus fake answer a call and act like Lobo's busy. Like Lobo has a roommate or maybe he's living in a hostel in Charleston. (laughs) Yeah. Anything's possible with Lobo. And he shows up at her place because he's still, she still's got the totem and he goes to leave and she acts like her car is busted and she needs a ride to her friends and this and she goes in her house to get some things, and then we have this like horrible pan to a close up, and he's like, "Yes, yes, 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 yes." It like, <laughs> yeah, it was. <laughs> it was right up easy in there. Like you know what? I was it's on your. <laughs> I was kind of on your side, Gus. But that little oh, it's so weird. He curls up his little paw up into his yeah. chin. <laughs> Like, if he had a kitten, like, we should make it like a Photoshop with a kitten there. It'd look perfect. Well, but, that would be adorable. Yeah. But the way it is now, it's just spineless. I mean, I'm not exactly sure. It He looks weak when he mm-hmm. does it. Which she then wants to go to Gus's sister's house to show him off. Like, hey, look who I'm fucking instead of your brother. Right? Like, right? like what in the I hell was is like, this? This is the ultimate bitch move. It really like, is. What yeah. Is this? So, and I thought they kind of left on bad terms, too. So I didn't yeah. know she's like besties. Like, hey, girl, hey. Let me show you off my mysterious man. Lizzie has brought Gus up to Emily multiple times. Right. What a... She's oh. like, I got a boyfriend. Except for this guy. He's okay. She's an asshole. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. I mean, yeah. I mean, but Lizzie makes sure Piglet's off doing something when she sees him at the door. Probably eating. <laughs> Go eat something you're not supposed to. She gets excited and lets them in. And the dog gets on him. And she goes, Lizzie, you said this dog didn't like anyone but your brother. Which is filling your idiot thing. But yeah. a lot of assholes are idiots. That's true. That dog is deep in his nuts. Mm-hmm. Right. And Lizzie plays around and shows all this interest in Lobo. And Piglet then comes in the room yelling, Uncow! And he says, I must remind her of her uncle. Yeah, I like how they have to say these things out loud. Like, like the audience couldn't figure it out themselves. Because I was like, oh, the dog likes him. Oh, they're going to tell me. Okay, yeah, great. Mm-hmm. But Emily still can't figure it out. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, and Emily, yeah, this is the Emily is a complete asshole mm-hmm. and idiot sequence yeah, of yeah. the film. She says they're nothing alike and then the dog gets all over Lobo again. Lizzie takes the dog out. Piglet comes back wanting Lobo to color with her. Then Mitchell, the husband, comes home. This is the first time I got his name. <laughs> he was just husband and then I hear yeah. Mitchell. I'm like, oh. The guy that like gets hard listening to opera. That's, yeah. that's what I knew him as. Well, he sits on the Harley and he starts yelling at Gus. Like, Gus, you got the hog fixed. And, and then... Uh, Starts talking to Lobo, calling him Gus, like to his face, <laughs> and blowing the cover. And she's then, in the same room as this guy, and Emily still Emily can't put together. No idea. 
And, and this isn't like played up as like a farce. She He's, goes on to introduce them. And mm-hmm. then Piglet keeps saying, Uncow. Mitchell, while they're talking, says, Oh, our visitor from a foreign land. And it starts to click maybe with Emily because Logo hasn't spoken to him. And then Lobo tries to point that he says that, that his New Zealand shirt on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But has Lobo changed outfits at all? And like every time she sees him. I don't think I realized that he had a New Zealand shirt on. He didn't, but he had yeah. a black shirt on all the time. He's like, so. just in case you didn't know, it's from New Zealand. New Z, as we call it. You yeah. Know? If, if you saw a dude three times and he was always wearing the same clothes, would you still be into him? Nope. Yeah. Nope. And this is like three out of four days, maybe. Yeah. yeah. He's got to wear his leather, though. You got to slide on the bike if you wreck. Get that. But the other stuff, it's like, mm. yeah, yeah, and he's he's covered in leather in Charleston, so it's gonna be warm. So he's gonna get a real, real healthy uh, aroma getting pulled out of him. Which yeah. actually, Mitchell says he knows the guy because he he, he can tell where he's from because he picks up body odors. And then Emily sniffs him a little bit because she's an idiot. And yeah. Then later, Emily and Lobo are parting ways at her house, and she disses Gus during this to say, you know. Doesn't like he. She doesn't think Lizzie likes Lobo. So she yeah, this is Gus. I think at that point, if I were Gus, like you know what, up yours. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> like you know what, Gus, if you want to meet a nice woman, leave this town because mm-hmm. you've got this Emily, who's an idiot and an asshole, trying to figure out which is more, uh, she's greater uh, in which category. Point. But but he's also been harassed by a car full of women. Yeah, like is this town? Full of assholes and idiots. They didn't like you for yes. who you were. Yeah, exactly. You had to get pretty or macho or what? What's attitude? He worked on his right. attitude. It's a totally different persona. Lobo. 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 Emily didn't fall for his attitude. She fell for his looks because mm-hmm. she's a vacuous monster. Yeah. <laughs> well, she th- tells Lobo she wasn't supposed to fall in love with him, but it might be too oh, late. No. And kisses him, and then Lobo gets pissed and takes off. He decides to go back to Lizzie's to complain about how she's in love with Lobo and not Gus. And he says it's over and he's pulling the plug. It's not fair to Emily. He returns to Emily's and he witnesses from outside Emily breaking off the engagement with Trout, wanting to see other people. And he says, there's someone else, isn't there? And then he, you think he spots Lobo from the window? He's making some hand signals. I swear, he looked and he just saw the empty car, right? At this point? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like, okay. Trout begs and she says that she's the best thing ever happened to him. And asked if he can still have her write for him at the paper. And she does her best to shoo him out, which he was going to like bone her to an open window that you can yeah. see mm-hmm. from outside. Then we find Mandy was in Trout's car hiding the whole time and asked if she broke off the engagement. He's like, yeah, baby, yeah. I'm like, was Mandy going to watch this right. too? As he begged her yeah. to bone like So right awkward. Yeah. Why does I was with you, Trout, man. Oh, oh, like, we, oh. we understood you, but man. I, I don't understand why Trout wants to be with Emily or have her around so much. He doesn't spend any time with her. It only seems like he just begs to be around her. I think they try to prove a point for his existence, like with Mandy, because she's like, well, if you don't do this, then daddy's not going to give you some deal. So I guess right. it might have been what he's working on. But I'm like, I don't know. I don't if his character wasn't in the movie at all, it would have been fine. It would just yeah. would, it just would have been Emily just is not into Gus, which is already happening anyway. Yeah, she she doesn't need a, a reason outside of just they not went, being into him. They right. went out of their way to make this guy like not even sympathetic at all. Like that's what they were doing. They want you know the they don't want Lobo to be messing up anything that like someone might go well you know mm. like Superman Returns it was like Superman come on dude he was James Marston he was. <laughs> 
He's doing all right. You left, dude. You left. Yeah. You left. Quit stalking Lois. That type of thing. So they went out of their way. But they could have had him be all right and then have like the the revealing scene later. But this guy's who he is mm-hmm. start to finish. Yeah. He's, start a, to finish. he's a turd the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. From the moment we see him in those glasses. Mm-hmm. Turd. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't even have a scene where like Gus tells him like, you know, what a, you, know you got a good thing, man. Like, what are you doing? You yeah. Know? If there would have been a confrontation yeah. between the two of them, that could have been something. Mandy didn't say, hey, Trout, there's a man over there in the bushes staring in at your ex-girlfriend's window. <laughs> they didn't even address that. Mandy just watches some dude in leather with a mullet walk by and stare in between these bushes. And she's like, that's but cool. She, Where's Trout? Like- she pops up to see him. Then she's like, oh. You know, you know funny if like yeah. if Lobo or uh, Gus and Mandy are like Right. <laughs> you wanna go get like a bite? Yeah. Or do you wanna get a bite to eat or something? That would be great if Lobo like just came to the door like, so you know, there was like a woman out there like waiting for him. Yeah, she'd even narc him he'd even narc her out. Yeah. He's just like whatever. I know it's creepy, I saw the whole thing, but there's some details you really need to know. <laughs> I felt like they could have left some material in. Maybe they cut those scenes because they weren't good. <laughs> they left, oh, yeah. But they left these in. But uh, like Lobo comes to Emily's door after this, like, all right, and he asks if two questions. Are you gay? Gay. No, I am <gasps> Great. Are you free of disease? I've got an ingrown toenail, but Emily, I don't am... talk. That's all I wanted to know. God help me. I don't care if you're married. I know that you're leaving. I know that we'll only have this one night, but I want it, Lobo. I want the memory. Emily. Oh, Emily. And that's it. He's he's accent free. She doesn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Idiot. And mm-hmm. <laughs> Then she just like gets all over him, sucks face, and they go straight to bed. They low bone. <laughs> uh, next morning, she gets upset thinking he's leaving, and then he says he's staying, and she asks what happened to his accent. Oh, now he you confesses. Uh, and then, she, then she's like, oh, but you really do this American accent. Well, it's like, shut up, idiot. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was... I. I got angry at her at that point. And yeah. there's plenty of times where I could have. That was the point. Like, all right, I, I don't care what happens to you now. You deserve anything you get for being this stupid. Yes. Yeah. And like, like I, how did she not notice this accent? Aside from when he comes the night before, she should have noticed it then. Mm-hmm. Okay. She was in a heat of like just crazy. But whatever. Crazy. Are, are so. you telling like me that the whole night he was still using the, the fake accent when they were humping? Cause there's no way he's going to be silent during that right. unless he's a cold fish. And, and and did they fall asleep immediately after right. they were done doing it? I was thinking it probably only took him two minutes and they were done. Yeah. So <laughs> now, it's look, been a while I, and he's been just I haven't uh, slept with many her. New Zealand men. I don't know what sounds they make when they're <laughs> climaxing. It's a lot, of, a lot of talk about Kiwis, mostly. In later years, they talk about Xena, Warrior Princess a lot. I know about not, <laughs> not at this point, but in later years. I've seen The Lord of the Rings, but there's no sex in those, so I don't know. <laughs> Not sure. <laughs> the one thing missing from those movies. <laughs> he confesses that he's Gus, and she looks disgusted. Like she's horrified. Mm-hmm. She's like, like she almost like just vomited. She starts hyperventilating, gets well, super wait. pissed and freaked out, and kicks him out. Note: He's wearing teal boxers. I noticed I that. I did notice that. Yeah. It's like he did it. That was absolutely. He Lizzie went just... full on Lizzie Potts. Yeah, but it, but it's weird that. Apparently, at some point, underwear were just shorts. Yeah. Because that's what it looked like, right? Yeah. They're done running. Yeah. yeah. Like Larry yeah. Bird basketball shorts. That, that, Maybe they were exactly supposed to be silk, like. and they just looked on camera. Like, mm. they were supposed to be these fancy silk things. But they looked like, you know, he could have gone for a jog. Right. He could have done a pickup game. Could mm-hmm. you imagine putting those on? 
though underneath your leather pants. Yeah, because those are tight high. leather pants. Yeah, yeah, that would everything would have bunched up. There's no yeah. room for that. A lot of ball sweat. A lot uh, of ball sweat. Oh, take your word for it. There you go. <laughs> Delicious ball. <sweat. laughs> There's a man across the hall holding groceries during this whole thing, just like huh. He's <laughs> watching, and they're just—he's yeah. shouting his confession to her, and he's like, "Last night was the most important night of my life. I love you, Emily. I just wanted you to love me." Oh, guess was... what? She loved Lobo. Oh, she loved Gus. She hated Gus. Last night was the most important moment of my life when I had sex with you <laughs> under false pretenses. Yeah. <laughs> so Emily frantically like finds a pad and like makes a phone call to Lizzie, but Piglet picks up the phone and just drops off. And a funny thing with the guy with the groceries, before I move on, when Lobo leaves there, he's all of a sudden outside with the groceries watching him take off. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah. I'm holding the groceries like people can see me right now <laughs> talking. I do a lot of hand motions. <laughs> so Emily drives over to Lizzie's, and she's upset and confesses that Lizzie has proven her point in one, which, hey... I admit I'm a shallow asshole. Cool. And Lizzie says she wouldn't have done it if she didn't think they were perfect for each other. Why are they perfect for each other? Yeah. I haven't seen mm-hmm. one thing that they have in common. No. Okay, they're both they're both human beings, and they live in the same town. Yeah. That, that's about it, as movie, far as I can this tell. This movie lives up to its title of having the word don't tell in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really... <laughs> don't tell the audience yeah. why yeah. they like each other. So Emily changes her tune a bit when Lizzie says that Gus came to her with the same complaints and tells her, she goes, why don't you tell Gus? But she stops and says, tell him yourself. He doesn't talk to her anymore. And Emily asks for his number. And Lizzie says, it'd be Lobo's number, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like, still his number. Yeah, okay. And Lizzie says he's moving to New York at 5 o'clock from 909 Caliche Drive. So... We really start turning into romantic comedy third act mm-hmm, mode mm-hmm. as she drives to some soft, soft adult contemporary song like called like "Don't Ask Me Why." Her car breaks down, but she asks one last trip, and, and yeah. I promise you, you can die. And the, e- even the it car, starts. even the car wants out of this movie. Right? right. <laughs> oh man! The car's like, I don't. Mm. Cubs out. So Gus starts packing his taxi, and as she's making her way, she pulls into Gus's house as his taxi's pulling out, and the house she searches for, around for him, and then rips her dress while doing so. Her car didn't start, so she takes the Harley. I didn't know she was endorsed for a motorcycle. Uh, gotta have special. That's why she ripped the dress so she could get her legs mm. on the motorcycle better. So she knows how. She already knew how to ride one conveniently. Uh, she rode on the back of one for one ride, and you got uh, you got gears to shift. The brakes a little different, I think. Yeah, that's she, where I was like, huh? She clearly a, like. I'm surprised she knew how to start it because she clearly doesn't know how to ride it. Because because <laughs> when she's actually riding it, her legs are spread open like she's getting ready to accept Lobo in bed. Yeah, <laughs> that's a heavy motorcycle too. It is a heavy motorcycle. So she's just like, mm, got it. And then she holds it up here, you know. Yeah, like you wanna, you gonna grip. You gotta be one with the machine. Mm-hmm. Instead, she's just somehow she's along for the like. It's like right. the, the motorcycles in control. Right. She even impresses a biker as she pulls oh, up yeah. to like a stop. <sighs> that scene that didn't need to happen. Right. <laughs> he's on his way to Sturgis. He's like, yeah, yeah. gotta acknowledge that you're riding a bike. Right. <laughs> so it's a woman on Harley because yeah. that never happens. Ever. So 
all great romantic comedies end at an airport. So oh. we pull up here, and it's like a checklist of like romantic comedy tropes that happen. Like the guy that's like, "You can't park here." Mm-hmm. That starts. She runs in. He's going closer and closer and closer to buy a ticket. I thought he was going to a gate, but I think he's just going to buy a he ticket. He was buying his, getting or his getting boarding his, pass or something. something going on. Yeah. And she grabs a pass while she asks. She goes to the front of the line, grabs a pass, and, and then walks, starts to walk back to the the back of the line. Well, and then I like, she's like, what time? Is it, is it on time? And it's like, the flight for New York is on time. Like in the background. Right. Of this line, I'm like, oh, wow. This is really just, I don't know if it knows what it's doing right now. Like, yeah. It's just genuine. <laughs> like, she finds Gus in line and we have the most stereotypical scene out of stereo- a stereotypical moment where she tells him not to go. Don't go. Don't go. Emily, I have to go. Gus, you can't go. I, I think I love you. Me? Emily, that wasn't me. Gus, it was you. It was you I danced with. It was you drawing with Annabelle. And last night was... Okay, listen, if you could tell me that that wasn't you holding me last night, then I will leave and you'll never see me. And he asked her to come with him and he then says, he's not going to New York, he's going to Kalamazoo for a friend's wedding. Uh-oh. That Lizzie. They talk about her meddling too much. <laughs> More and- deceit from Lizzie. <laughs> yeah. And he... I didn't even catch up on it until she gives the address. Like, oh, she wants her to go find, you know, her brother. Yeah. Right. She's meddling in his life. Mm-hmm. They give her, he gives her like a one-liner and they kiss, but yeah. being watched. Being watched. Shelly Wong, <gasps> who could have given fucking Emily a ride yeah. if she was going to the airport? <laughs> With the world's largest binoculars. Oh, yes. my God. That was funny, though. I was like, those that, are big. She's binoculars. like, two points for the Gust Buster. Damn it, it worked to me because I giggled myself. She's already planning a marriage and she's calling her Aunt Emily. Let them date. Yeah. yeah. And she hurries back the binoculars to watch the plane take off because that was fast. <laughs> I know. They were in the airport. Like, they, they, were in, like, they were in a catwalk. They weren't even like going like... Like, like, even if they closed the doors, yeah, like, and like, all right, hit it. And like, there's no way they could have taken yeah. off in that amount of time. You gotta put things in the overhead, buckle your seatbelt, safety procedures. Yeah. They gotta get to the right part of the tarmac. It's all yeah. these things. And also, how does she know which plane that he's on? It's not like it's like written like what number the plane is on the side. How did? Uh, Appar- yeah. Apparently, the people who have made this movie have never been on a plane before. They don't understand how air travel works. Right. Right. But she starts narrating a book about Lobo mm-hmm. Moranga, chapter one, and the credits roll. That's so weird. That's I'm gonna write a sex book about my brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. romance novel is so detailed. You're talking about a throbbing shaft. Like those are the terms oh, they use yeah. in those books. Right. The gentle, a, the, the gentle curve of his penis into oh. <laughs> her mouth. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> oh man. And she's writing that about her brother. She's comfortable with herself. I think we can get that from this movie. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's don't tell her it's me. The movie nobody told anyone about. Oh. Like, yeah. Wow. St- Steve Gutenberg was paid a million dollars for this movie. Mm-hmm. That's a million 1990 dollars. Yeah. Wow. It, the gross for this movie was just over a million dollars. No one wanted to see this movie. Oh. No one wanted to see the Steve Gutenberg Shelley Long vehicle. The person yeah. who wrote the book but didn't even like the movie. 
said like, yeah, that that uh, lousy movie that came yeah, out of my book. Yeah, she's the screenplay too. Yeah, yeah. She, she said something like they took my mediocre screenplay and made a mediocre movie. Right. So she just dogged herself a little bit, but yeah. Well, I wonder what the book is like. I'll just watch the movie. <laughs> I'll take the movie's word for it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can't uh, read the book and not think Gutenberg. That's right. Just, it's already ruined, so I can't really read I, the book. I have an image of Lobo Moronga in my head, yeah. and it won't leave. It won't leave. That's and I don't want it to go. It's not Fabio. It's Gutenberg. It's Gutenberg, yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. Man. Pretty much. Uh, here's, here's the question. Um, what happened to the bike? Oh, yeah. Because it was, like you said, Brandon, she pulled up on it at the airport and like, oh, just leave it. They got on the plane. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that bike's just gone. Well, he told her not to come with him. Yeah. She was overdressed as she had like an oil stain on her face. Or Yeah. Uh, yeah. She went through a mud puddle. Mud puddle. I guess. Yeah, because she's tough for love. I don't know. <laughs> Well, they're not. They don't care about that bike that much. They left the, the gas station overnight. Mm-hmm. Well, at least yeah, but that's also not at an airport, right? You know, that's that, that's maybe, just gone. Maybe just, Mitchell I, come. Get yeah, it. Shelley Long could just brought around the husband too. Right. We're all gonna go. It's he a family affair. It. We're mean, gonna go watch them fly off together. You take the bike home. He had you, fun you, sitting on it in front of his house that one. You time, know, so. Piglet ran up to that thing and tried to eat that motorcycle. <laughs> right. There's no way she didn't. <laughs> she licked the exhaust pipe. Yeah, she, <laughs> she absolutely did. And she burned her mouth, and then she stopped trying to eat things. Mm-hmm. She became anorexic, and then she died. It's a dark ending. The irony. The Piglet. I- <laughs> anorexic. Jeez. Got really dark. Ooh, that's right. What, what's up with the names in this movie? We've got Piglet, Trout, and Lobo. Mm. What The writer of this movie, has she never heard a name? I don't, I don't understand. P- Piglet nickname. Fine. I mean, I could see a parent calling it. Kid Piglet. That's that's not too. Strange. At least at least the kid wasn't like chubby. If the kid was chubby and it was Piglet, then right. That's but a, if they're going, that's a hate crime, right? If they're going for like exotic, like male, that's supposed to be dreamy. Lobo doesn't sound. I don't even understand Lobo. I was like, just Lobo. take letters. I think and... of that comic character Lobo from the nineties. I do too. Who also rode like a space bike, right? <laughs> yeah, and had the long mullet hair, but. Oh my god, what if that Lobo was the inspiration? It was like, this movie ain't going anywhere. No one's going to find this out. Lobo. That's what happened. God, oh, wow. we, we, we got to find out when Lobo was created. Because if it was created after this movie, we absolutely know where it, it came was from. Right. He showed up in the 90s. He, he did show up in the 90s. 90s character. He could be from the New Zealand of space. There we go. He probably is. Oh, wow. You're never going to get her to go out with you. What out? I'm a big boy now. I'll choose my own underwear. And I'll get Emily Pear to go out with me. Now we get to the point in the episode where we rate the episode we just watched. Our rating system goes as follows. Stay with your family, which means sad Gus. You're not, not into this. Just like Jamie Gertz was. No. Stay at home. <laughs> Converted. Regular Gus. You're good. You're just the regular guy. You're okay with it. You'd, you'd be down to settle. Or Lobo Marunga. Woof. Let my gas tank overflow. So, Jessica Osman, how do you rate? Don't. Tell her it's me. I'm going to go with regular Gus because I'm going to go and expand on my answer here. Is it a poorly written movie with some plot holes? Of course. But is it a fun screwball comedy that once you get past like that first 20 or 30 or 40 minutes, you're like, oh, that's kind of fun. It's adorable. So in a world we live in, it's nice to see a slapstick, oh, cheesy comedy. No, I'd never buy it. Absolutely not. I don't know. It was different. Not not for $100, no. (laughs) Cullen, 
I've been going back and forth on on this. I, I can't even get the words out because I'm, I'm so conflicted on this. I'm, I'm going to say I don't rate the Kool-Aid on this. I know that from the, the start. It's not, it's not great, but it's not awful. I don't know if it's mediocre or if it's better than mediocre because it is, it is a romantic comedy and romantic comedies usually are not romantic or funny. And there were a couple of times in this movie where I did laugh. There's a, a part where Lobo is... What a stupid sentence. Where there's a part where, where Lobo is he's injured, he's laying on the couch, and she puts like alcohol on his cut, and then mm-hmm. you know, he looks all tough when she's looking at him, and then she looks away, and then he makes a, a face of dire pain, like it's eh, <laughs> kind of funny. And where he uh dunks his little necklace into the drink and he goes, uh, spirit for the spirit. And like, I that made me laugh yeah. pretty hard. So there, there's good stuff in it. I think it was actually like perfectly cast, except for it needed Randy Quaid, let's be honest. But if you Oh, God. I guess if you like romantic comedies, it's not bad. I I guess I'm converted on Don't Tell Her It's Me because I'm apparently I'm a Guten fan. I haven't come up with a cute name for a Gutenberg fan. Gutenberg, right? Gutenberg. Found it to be Gutenberg. (laughs) I guess I did. I probably won't watch it again. Not, gr- right. not, not Greatenberg. It was Gutenberg. It oh. was Gutenberg. All right. Well yep. said. Mm-hmm. Brandon, how do you rate the boyfriend school slash don't tell her it's me? I'm going to go I'm gonna up front. I'm going to say I'm converted because this one is one of those you describe it to somebody and there's no way in hell that that person's not going to want to see it. Even the trailer that we watched is like, oh my gosh. Trailer maybe is the peak of, of, of it, but it does live up to it in some other ways and it's just it's such a misfire in what it's wanting to be and just how it can't pull off certain genuine things like sad Gus is just embarrassingly bad for such a serious kind of topic Mm. that you can't help but laugh about it and the people are all assholes in it which if you were with a friend watching it you'd be shitter chatting about what dicks they are you know Mm. And, and i think it's got a lot of people that you know and like in weird spots doing a weird movie that's trying to take itself seriously there's a charm to it that's weird i can't explain but there there is a charm there and I, it, it, it's weird but it, it hooked me enough it hooked me enough it's not kool-aid it's it's definitely i agree with you it's not kool-aid but there's enough there that's like oh let me show you don't tell her it's me i'm not gonna watch it by myself ever again mm-hmm. yeah. but if someone's like oh you want to see some weird shit? you want to see gutenberg being with a new zealand accent with a piss poor new zealand accent looking like lorenzo lamas like I okay, in the middle of watching last night, I took a screenshot of Lobo and texted to my sister. She goes, "Is that Gutenberg?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah." And she goes, "What the hell are you watching?" <laughs> and I sent her the poster. Yeah. And she goes, "What the hell is this? How do I not right? know this?" And I go and I sent her the trailer, and she goes, "You have you have this that I can watch." Right? She instantly. Wanted to, that's the appeal of this movie is that you instantly have to see it. And I think it lives, it could have hacked off like 20 minutes and, and yeah. been a much better movie for this kind of thing. But I think, yeah, it's something, if you can find it, folks, give it a chance. Don't go dumpster diving like I did to find it. But if you can find it, I think it's a solid converted. It's a fun movie. Ooh, so I was really worried you're going to judge me like, oh, look at her. No, no, no. Mm-mm. It's fun to see the, the slapstick. And it's a, there's a formula to romantic comedies, too. So just to see all and those this, things that well, happen. The formulation like, like, at the end is like, oh, my gosh, they're really going. They're going there, yeah, there. That there. was yeah. one right after the other. Because I'm like, oh, that's what ha- the wedding singer did that. Too. Right, yeah. Like Lynn Gooley, Gooley or whatever. He is Trout. Yeah, no, that's what, I was, that's what I was going to say. They needed him to be more 
Gulia, mm-hmm. where like he and Lobo could have had something to where Lobo finds something out about the guy, right. rather than nobody finding out anything yeah. about the right. guy but us. He's a he's the only a, people that he, know. Is he's us. a total turd the whole movie and gets away with it. Right. Yeah. Poor Mandy. Right. Yeah. Well, well she got down. she this, got she got what she wanted. The side piece. That sweet McLaughlin dong. <laughs> they were on their way to Twin Peaks. That's where they were going. <laughs> like it the would restaurant, never be the right? Same. It would never. Yeah, the restaurant. <laughs> I like Shelley Long's comment. Two points for the Gus Buster at the yeah, very which, end. Which, where was Gus Buster the rest of this movie? Oh, but said he has a yeah. nickname. I know. But also, the, the name Gus Buster, it sounds like he bust other guys named <laughs> Gus. Because like that term, it's like you're either talking about a, a, a ghost buster mm-hmm. or you're talking about a dust buster. Yeah. They bust the thing that's in their name. So apparently, uh, when he gets back, he's going <laughs> to beat up guys named Gus to assume their power or something. He is now Lobo. He has <laughs> defeated Lobo. Gus. No, that's right. No, the sequel is actually uh, like the one, and he <laughs> kills other people named Gus so he can assume oh, their power. <laughs> busted. On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing... Supergirl from 1984, starring Helen Slater and Faye Dunaway and Peter O'Toole and Hart Bachner. Special guest for the episode will be Todd Liebenau from the Forgotten Films podcast and Walt Sent Me. Can't wait. Thanks to Tom Labrie. And as always, thank you for streaming, downloading, or marking it for later and never getting to it. Thank you so much, Jessica Osman, yeah. for coming on. It's been more than a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. It was fun. So where can people find what you do? If, they're, if they heard you talk about Don't Tell Her It's Me, tell them where it's at. Yeah, well, t- please tell me what you think. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at J-N Alsman, which is J-N-A-L-S-M-A-N. Or find me on Instagram, Jessica Alsman, mm-hmm. like that. Got a podcast at Well We Tried. Haven't posted many podcasts lately because, well, we tried. <laughs> Here's to when you try again. This episode has come to an end. We look forward to the next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Supergirl. The trailer that actually trails. Supernatural forces of malevolent evil are seeking to bring the Earth to its knees. Only the summoning to the planet of a true superhero can save us from demonic control. Supergirl. Leave this place and do no harm. Destroy her! Really upset. Supergirl, a fantastic adventure to make your spirit soar.
Supergirl, coming this summer. Thank you for listening to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, part of the Creative Zombie Studios Network. For press opportunities, advertising opportunities, and more information on Cult Cinema Cavalcade, contact mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon Peters. Narration by Rebecca Peters. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf appears courtesy of the freemusicarchive.org network. The film and music featured in this episode are part of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Join us again in two weeks for a new episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Suddenly I'm a bond.